Welcome back, my friends, to another episode of Best Hour of Their Day. And it's a special episode. We have the living legend himself, Kelly Starrett. Kelly Starrett's been around basically forever in the CrossFit world, and we're going to talk about that. He's going to talk about how he was one of the very first people invited to be a part of the CrossFit seminar staff. But of course, most people know him from Mobility Wad or MWAD, and he's rebranding. It's now Ready State, and I highly recommend you check that out. The best part of this conversation is we were just really in sync about where we are in life in that it's all about balance, both inside and outside of the gym. Too many people in the CrossFit world are just so focused on training inside the box and forget that there's a whole world out there, be it for your fitness or be it for other endeavors. You can't just spend time in the box. You have to get outside of it. Whether it's going for a run, a hike, a bike, a swim, even just walking the dog or a yoga class or do something else, read, play guitar, find a new hobby, a new passion. But life really is all about balance and K-Star and I talk about that on this episode. He was actually the person that introduced me. Those of you that know me for a long time know I love to sit in the bottom of my squat. And when I first started doing it, I couldn't make it for 30 seconds. I couldn't sit in the bottom of my squat for 30 seconds. That's terrible. That's terrible. Now I've done over 20 minutes in one go and on any given day, my goal is usually to accumulate 10 minutes by the end of the day. I feel better. I certainly squat better. And I think it's just important. It's something you should be able to do as a human being. So you're gonna love this interview. The feedback we got about our mentor group is off the hook. I'm trying to keep up with everybody. You guys all that DM'd us on best hour of their day, we appreciate it. We'll, we'll keep it open for another episode or two. So if you're just hopping on the bandwagon, check us out on Instagram, best hour of their day. If you're interested in being one of our beta people, we're going to have a coaches group for those that are just looking to develop as CrossFit coaches and then also an affiliate owners group where you can help develop your entire staff of coaches. So hit us up, just type in there, beta test. Let me know if you coach or you own a box and I'll shoot you an email, give you a little more details. We're keeping it pretty select and, and pretty small. So sorry in advance that we're not gonna be able to take everybody on right now, but we wanna make sure we're giving out a good product. We wanna make sure you're getting value out of it. And we wanna make sure we have fun with it. Truthfully, we started this podcast just because we enjoy talking about CrossFit, talking about coaching. We didn't do it to get into a whole business thing. So we want to make sure Fern and I actually like it before we commit to it. So I'm sure we will. I'm, we love helping people. We want to help people develop. But we just want to make sure everybody's having a good time. So hit us up on, on Instagram at best hour of their day. You can check out our website, besthouroftheirday.com. We've got some great episodes coming to you next week. Fern and I talked all about preparing for your level two. It's one of the most common questions we get. How do I get ready for my level two? Well, we're going to talk all about that on next Wednesday's episode. Plus, as always, some great interviews coming your way. We've got some top, top guests coming on, and both Fern and I 
are going to be at the CrossFit Games at the end of the month, judging the individuals once again. And no doubt we'll snag some great interviews there from some of the best coaches in the world. If you have guests you want to hear us talk to, if you have topics you want to hear us chat about, if there's anything we can do to help you, hit us up. Social media is the best way at best hour of their day, but any way you know how, feel free to get in touch with us. We're always appreciative for the community, for everything that you guys do. Thanks for sharing our episodes. Thanks for commenting on our posts. And thank you to those of you that has left us reviews on Apple Podcasts. That really means a lot to us. All right, this dude's a stud. It was really awesome to chat with him. I took his seminar back in like 2008 in New York City. The first time it came on the East Coast, I jumped on it. I knew it was going to change my life, and it truly did. Hopefully, this interview changes your life. Here we go. K-Star, Kelly Starrett on best hour of their day. Thanks for having me. All right, Kelly, get that last sip of coffee, and let's, uh, let's be in a ready state, if you will. Oh, no, no, no. It's not the last sip of coffee. It's just the next sip of coffee. There's a very big difference. So, you know, one thing I say, and I believe you you mentioned this quote, and tell me if you truly, truly believe it. Uh, you said sitting is the new smoking. And Believe it or not, I, I did not say that. That's James Levine of the Mayo Clinic, who is one of the nation's preeminent obesity researchers. And I think what he's saying is that when we're looking at this global health epidemic, We've got to start to tangle out of this knot of like, what are the things we can control? And what we're seeing is that people are not moving enough, not engaging enough activity during the day. And that creates a whole host of issues. So it's not that sitting is bad. By all, I mean, if you're a coach and you're listening to this, when you sit down, it is like heaven, right? You're off, you're off your, your butt finally off your feet. But for the average person, I think what we're not appreciating is that Human beings are designed to move all day long and you should hit the pillow and black out. And even just as an allegory of the fact that we're having so many people struggle to go to sleep at night and that the sleep aid industry is a billion dollar, multi-billion dollar industry, then, uh, you know, and what's five hour energy about? Why do you need five hour energy? Because you're sleeping like crap, you know, that you, you are caught in this depressant stimulant cycle you're not moving enough during the day. You can't tangle out. And so you don't feel awake and you don't feel sleepy and your sleep sucks. And then all of a sudden you're 40 or 50 and you're 20 pounds overweight and it's an issue. So, you know, sitting as you're smoking is really shorthand for, hey, what does it really mean to be a modern human? And how do I wrap my modern human head around who I am as a person? And then balance that in a way that doesn't feel like it's one more thing I have to do. You know, I, I sh this shouldn't be effort to go walk and move a little bit more. You know, you shouldn't have to put it on your to-do list. Well, I haven't sat since 2014 because of you. So I, 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 I took it to the extreme. And then the other extreme I took is I should be able to sit in the bottom of my squad for 10 minutes, which I can comfortably do now because of you and oh. because of your videos. So how about this? One is that, you know, we think you should be able to perch up against a stool and wiggle around, especially an athlete. If you, if you want to go, you know, right now I think we're battling this sort of, this notion of like, well, you know, human beings are pretty resilient. Like just go to any other country and you don't have to see elite exercise. People that like, what, what are the, what are the through narratives of people's kind of daily experience? And one of them is that they walk a lot more, they ride their bikes a lot more, they just move around more. But you also see that humans aren't fragile. Like we, we are super, super robust human beings. 
And, you know, I, I think, you know, to your point, you know, what we're asking with the 10 minute squat test, that was a really low bar. What do you mean you can't like make a campfire or take a poop in the woods or have dinner in Thailand? I mean, you know, people are like, what squat all the way down? We're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You know, what do you, what do you think God gave you all that ankle range of motion and hip function for? And what we were just trying to do with that first squat test, which was 2010, right, was that blew people's minds and people couldn't even do it. So, I mean, the world has changed and continues to change. We're seeing that people have certainly become a lot more sophisticated and are engaged in really different nutritional practices generally. I mean, at our local store, and granted, we live in Marin here, but uh, there are a lot of paleo health keto magazines at the rack. So some, some, something has changed. And that may be people don't, what people were doing isn't working or they don't feel the way they should look or look the way they should think they should look, or they can't get something done. But again, I like to say, is like, what are we trying to do? And I think what we're trying to do is, you know, have full access to our physiology through our whole lifespan. That means we're going to be a hundred years old and your knees are going to be a hundred and your back is designed to be a hundred. No problem. You're going to outlive your donads. You'll probably uh, need to go on some testosterone when you're like 85. But uh, that seems reasonable, you know, and in the meantime, when we're losing just big swaths of our capacity, we should, we should be curious about that. And for the rest of us who are interested in performance, not just interested in activities of daily living, then we really can say these are our best practices. And I think that's, that's what's really, it gets confusing sometimes for the physical therapists, for the chiropractors in the world, because, you know, we're interested in having full ability and full range and yeah you can slouch all you want but if you want to run fast or take a breath or swim or you know dunk a basketball man that rounded upper back position is going to be a, a problem eventually so we're going to have to deal with it eventually right so what are the best practices of being human and uh it's okay it's i think we got we got time to correct it so anyway that's that's what i mean by sitting in the smoke it, at a very basic level if a crossfitter is listening to this or someone that just wants to train hard and they can't sit at the bottom of their squat for 10 minutes, should that be the primary focus of, the, of their lives? Uh, well, no, I think your, uh, your loving relationship should be the primary focus of your <laughs> lives and, uh, and uh, your, being a member of your community and tribe. Um, but w- what that really speaks to is that um, you can still be really great in, in your life and in sport, you probably go to the Olympics. But um, one of the things that we have realized is that when we CrossFit, um, we don't have to do a lot of corrective exercise. So corrective exercise really isn't part of the language of CrossFit. Sometimes the assistance work is, I should do some bicep curls and some pushdowns, right? We should be doing, you know, move squatting a little different way, like kind of, you know, some Cossack squats and we do some step up, heavy loaded step ups, and those are assistance exercises. I wouldn't call those corrective exercises. And the reason, um, let me tell you a story, is that Jason Kalip and I were just in Germany teaching together at a Perform Better Summit, which is the big sort of functional fitness you know, community in, in Munich. And this is the biggest, uh, I'm trying not to sneeze, the biggest fitness community kind of get together in Europe. And what we, Jason and I did was we realized we did a, a workout in the morning with everyone. I wouldn't say workout. We just got everyone going. <clears throat> but we did two minutes as a partner workout where someone did five good burpees where they had to jump and land in a good position. 
foot pressures even, feet are straight, athletic. Like, why are we training? Are we trying to get fit? Are we trying to train for something? And what I, my idea is, hey, we should be all agreeing why we're moving a certain way. And if it's just to get my heart healthier and get my heart rate up and make myself insulin sensitive, it doesn't matter how we do that. Like, you can go on the assault bike, right? You can swing kettlebell in a little tiny range. But for the rest of us, I'm like, hey, I'd like to play frisbee and, and run and jump and cut and surf and be able to snowboard and ski and bike and do all the fun stuff that means to be human. And what we had everyone do is jump up off the ground, land in a good position, and then in the air, point their toes and squeeze their butt and put their arms overhead like they're blocking a ball at the net. So, and then land again in what position? This athletic position, because they may need to go left, they need to go right. And the idea is not just how fast can they get up and off the ground and do work and CrossFit has, has won the war on work. We people can work hard now. And the next question is, okay, you can work hard. And I think when we started this thing 15 years ago, people couldn't work hard. I think that was really a shock to them. And Greg just was walking around, Greg Glass was walking around just poking holes in people's fitness and they thought they were fit, but they weren't. But that ship has sailed, let me tell you. People are fit. They are much fitter, an order of magnitude fitter, especially in our communities. So. Jason and I are in this Perform Better Summit community, which is not a CrossFit community. And one person had to do planks and breathe the nose and kind of do some shoulder touches. And the other person had to do five burpees. And they switched. We just did that for two minutes. We rested a minute. And people fell apart. They just fell apart. And, and I guess the question is, um, you know, we're seeing that in CrossFit particularly is that we don't use corrective exercise. So here are all these people who are doing all this functional fitness and functional training. And doing a lot of, we'll just call it functional training, because that I think starts to smell like bands and and corrective exercises, and you rotate with cords, and we do all this smells like fitness stuff, but it's not the real thing. And if you're a CrossFitter, or you're in a CrossFit community, or let's just say a legitimate strength conditioning community, the thing is the overhead squat, the thing is the jerk, the thing is the pull up, and if you can't do the thing. We immediately scale or modify backwards. So the, our starting place is this is what normal is. This is what normative is. This is where our goal is. And then if you can't do that, we immediately give you a band. We slow you down. But you're still, you're still going to do pull-ups today. You're just not going to do as many high volume and maybe not tipping. But damn it, you're doing pull-ups. And the thing that you're doing is the scaled or modified version of the thing, not some corrective exercise ring row immediately. Right? You're going to get pull-ups. And I think what that does for us is it makes it as us as a community, it makes us much more competent at developing real transferable skills. And one of the things that we're noticing is that when we start in that assumption that the thing we're going to do is press the barbell over our head, even if you can't do that, we're going to give you dumbbells. But today we're pressing. We're not going to do crawling. We're not going to do some other landmine thing. Like that's not the thing. And our language of a full capacity, and then if you can't be there, immediately scale, really starts to create interesting conversations that people are just beginning to really appreciate and discover. And you know, the the notion that you can't squat all the way down means you can't do Olympic lift, you can't pull from the ground, you can't do a pistol, you can't access your position. Doesn't mean you can't move, right? We're gonna squat high but it means that you're going to be engaged in positions that are what we call workarounds or compensations. And so you're going to be leaking force. You're gonna be 
putting yourself into a position that doesn't translate very well to other movements and other sports. You're going to be engaged in positions that don't generate peak or optimal power function. So, you know, you can do all your push-ups with your hands turned around backwards if that's the only way you can do push-ups. But I, my kids who can turn their hands forward are going to crush you. And so really, it really comes a, a, a conversation of movement output or biomotor output. And if you can't squat all the way down, what you realize is that your strength and conditioning system is also a diagnostic tool. And that's okay. And because we don't know where you came from. We don't know, you know, how many, how long you rode in the police car as a, as a cop. We don't know what combat boot you had to wear. We don't know if it was, no one ever said it was important. So everyone who comes to us ultimately is an expression of their environment and, and, and an output of a system. And that system may have never said to you, you probably should be able to squall down and take a poop, right? It doesn't, it doesn't matter. Because if you did, you would have been working on this for years. So now suddenly, not only do we have what I think is one of the fullest, most complete strength conditioning systems in the world, that develops capacities that are really stable across a whole host of contexts. That's why it's really good. Not only do you have to push your head, arms over your head with, with complete normal range of motion, you got to do it with kettlebells and dumbbells, you got to do it with a barbell, you've got to hang from a pull-up bar, you've got to be able to do it from downward dog. You're also going to be able to do handstand push-ups and handstands, right? Already, I've got you. And by the way, we're going to get there from a snatch and we're going to get there from a press, right? And I, I just change all of the directions. Oh, by the way, we're going to power clean and then we're going to go overhead. So, you know, we've really challenged this innate motor pattern or this, this movement skill, and we've done it under a whole bunch of contexts. That way, when you go swim or play ball, you know how to put your arm over your head. And your brain says, oh, I, I've got this skill in a whole host of environments. And that's why Olympic lifting is not a gimmick. You know, gymnastics is not a gimmick. While hand, handling kettlebells and dumbbells is not a gimmick. And why those things end up making the bench basics of what we're doing in terms of movement. So, again, what's nice is because we have such a legitimate strength and conditioning system, we should really be stoked that we don't have to use another correlate model to figure out what, what we have wrong. All you have to do is the thing. And you're like, well, I can't do the thing today. I don't know why. But that's – or I got – injured, I tore my ACL in high school, or, you know, I've been on this red eye, or, you know, I, I just didn't know, you know, and, um, and so what's nice is then we can then say, here's what is normal, and <clears throat> until we say you should be able to squat all the way down, and that's, that's typical, that's, that's what is good human function, complete human function, then all we're doing is exercise. The second we make it a diagnostic tool and a training stimulus, bam, we're winning the race, and that's what this is about. You don't have to learn another language. You don't have to learn another, you know, it's like we train in Spanish, but we are going to do rehab in Esperanto. Like, what the hell is that? Like, I don't speak Esperanto. Like, instead, why doesn't the rehab language or the movement language or the rehabilitative language or the whatever, the restorative language, why isn't it the language that we already use? Push up, pull up, squat, deadlift, hinge, pull, squat, you know, that's the thing. And I think that's why... Um, we're making such good gains and why this thing never gets old. I mean, we're, we're rolling into our 15th year of owning a CrossFit gym. We're the 21st CrossFit in the world. Juliet and I yesterday did assault bike, heavy ball pickups, ball slams, and uh, strict presses for 30 minutes. And we'll never get tired of doing this thing because it, it just doesn't get old, you know? Yeah. I mean, when I was at your box, we did some nose breathing and it blew my mind because that was a the first time and it was very very challenging to do double unders while breathing through your nose 
But and I think you're, we're seeing this trend of people understanding you need to move smarter, you need to move better. The clock is important, but at the same time, if that's all you do is chase intensity, that's not ideal either. How do you continue to push that and promote that at the box level? Obviously, you're at the forefront of this, so you can do it. How does that trickle down to the other 10,000 affiliates out there? Well, first and foremost, everyone realizes eventually that you've got to pay attention to quality because that's the limiter, right? Why do we teach Olympic lifting technique and then not care about it for everything else, right? You can't do the thing. And if you want to snatch more and be more efficient and run faster, you, you, it always comes down to technique. So the, here's the key. And this is, this is what's so great about what it is we do. And it's been built in from the beginning is that we need you. And when we say intensity, let's define that because that doesn't mean just, uh, you know, if you want intensity, let's go to soul cycle. I'll show you intensity. Candles burning, people chanting, you'll die on a bike, right? Is that intense? Well, it turns out if I take your shape and then I challenge your shape with speed, right? We're going to, now we're not going to press, we're going to push press, right? We're going to do 20 push presses. That's another way of challenging with the middle of metabolic demand, challenging with a little speed. I can, I can get you on the salt bike and then make you do something. So now I'm challenging you with car respiratory demand. I can challenge you with load. Oh, that was really great. Make it heavier, right? I can challenge you by making you switch movement patterns. So now first we're going to ball slam and then we're going to do pull-ups and we're going to go back to ball slam. We're going to row and wall ball. So I'm asking you to change kind of, you know, mechanics, change gears in your head, change patterns and programs in your head, right? I can, I can, we can also compete. All of a sudden, I've got this other beautiful thing where you, I just am going next to Juliet and her friends, and I'm just trying to keep up. I don't have a clock. Like, I'm just trying to keep up. It doesn't matter if there's a clock or not. So you can basically say going against the clock is metaphor for we're all going at the same time trying to get an amount of work done as better as well as we can. So that's what intensity is. And ultimately, what we're saying is, hey, it's not the intensity. The intensity is crucial. But the intensity allows us to challenge our position. And if you are moving perfectly, then we're going to, and, and it's easy, we're going to make it heavier. And my goal, or we're going to add more, or we're going to add more rounds, or we're going to go longer. My goal is to start to elicit movement errors. I need you to start making movement errors and wait for it, correct those movement errors. And so, you know, Jason and I in Germany got to be good cop, bad cop, for example. So I'm like, no, you've got to land with your foot straight and foot pressure and then jump from that flat foot, right? And Jason's like, you've got to go faster. And I'm like, no, you've got to move better. And he's like, you've got to go faster. And that is simultaneously what we need to have in our head. You know, I don't just challenge my squat with more load. I need to challenge my squat with my heart rates at 190 and I've got a big load, right? So suddenly what I'm trying to do is make it so difficult that you can handle the mistake and correct it. I'm trying to elicit at a certain intensity where you begin to make errors, but can feel the change. If you start so heavy, you should start rounding your back and pulling that bar off the ground in a snatch. What are we doing? Well, what I see you doing is getting a lot of work done. I'm not even worried about your injury. I think you're really robust and badass. What I see is you have a crappy training pattern that's not going to translate to a whole lot of the things that we care about. And what you're doing is you're practicing at cross purposes to what you're doing. So it's crucial that we're thinking, you know, am I working hard enough? Hang on one second. Jason, will you pull those lids off? 
475. I'm baking bread. So, which is part of my, I, I picked up finally, as Juliet said, I finally picked up a hobby after, I don't know, 45 years. I have finally have a hobby and that's called bread baking. So I break is it, bread. Is it good? Is it, what do you mean? Is it good? Is, yes, of course it's good. It's long fermented sourdough. Dude, this is, this is my jam. I make my own. I have my sourdough starter. I feed it the day before. I, it's long fermented. I started this process. What's today? Tuesday. I started this on Sunday. Is yeah, it, it's good. Is that worth it? I mean, you can buy bread pretty cheap these days. You can buy bread, but it's not long fermentation. So, you know, we, this bread has four ingredients. Um, what, what, are bread those, is, what are those four ingredients? Flour, water, salt, yeast. That's it. That's flour, all you water, need. To, that's all you need yeah, for bread. It ferments for 24 hours on my, on my counter. So I put it, it ferments for about 12 hours. I fold it and put it out and then I put it in the fridge. That shuts the fermentation down for 12 hours, but still ferments. Then I cook it in a Dutch oven. So it's a pressure cooked steam thing. People are like, I'm gluten intolerant. I'm celiac. I'm like, "Mm -hmm, come eat my bread. And I'll guarantee you one is that this beautiful organic flour that I've got from my shop up North, this beautiful flour and this, uh, this long fermentation plus, so it's a fermented food plus it's pressure cooked, man. It is. So if we want bread, we have to, we don't buy bread. We just have to make bread. What I thought a Dutch oven was a sex act. Is that a real oven? A Dutch oven is um, where you pin your girlfriend under the sheets and you fart. That's right. not a sex act. Oh, that's that's torture. Oh, I so thought that. Well, a, a Dutch a Dutch oven is like a La Crusade pot, heavy cast iron pot. It's basically what a Dutch oven is. So we cook it in this uh, in a covered pot, and then um, it turns out you know people think you have some kind of magical skill, but it's so easy to make bread. It's easy to make kombuchas. It's easy to make fermented foods. Well, yeah, my wife is making kombucha. She she's in that kind of phase right now. But are you suggesting she doesn't like Dutch ovens? Is that what you're suggesting? I'm, oh, I'm saying no one no one likes a Dutch <laughs> oven, bro. So so how long have you been doing this this new hobby? I've been like I'm like 18 months in. What was the and, catalyst for that? Um, we had some bread in a friend's house, and I was like, you know, I'd like to bake bread, and um. And then, you know, I, I ended up cooking the same loaf of bread for 18 months. So I finally, like, I'm like Jiro dreams of sushi. I finally have a loaf that I can consistently nail 99% of the time. It's always good. You know, now I'm, now I'm starting to make things like English muffins out of the same dough. I'm branching out, but I figured out finally how to make the, make the bread. So, you know, and I tell you what, it's a gift too. You give someone bread that you've been working on. People are like, it's crazy. It's crazy. It's crap. This bread is crap. But they, you know, if you walk in, you're like, "Can I have the uh, pumpernickel?" They're like, "No, long fermented sourdough. That's all. That's all we serve there, right?" <laughs> no, yeah, and uh, yeah, I appreciate it. in San Francisco. There's a there's a coffee shop over in Petrero that has one cup size and one milk, and they're like, mm, "You're like, can I have a like skim chai latte?" And they're like, "Nope, you can't." And I, I appreciate that uh, that adherence, which is really what we're talking about, even in the, the big scheme. Like, I don't know, you need to be able to put something over your head. Not put you over your head, something over your head like, right? Like you have to be able to do this. What is your problem? Why can't you do this? You know? And um, I think when we start with that, that assumption, it's worth the journey, you know, like you should be able to bake bread and not everyone has time, but uh, baking bread once a week or twice a week is pretty easy. Specialization is for insects, right? Well, Mark, Mark, uh, Mark had it right. And more importantly, um, you know, Robert Heinlein had it right. You know, I think, I think that's what we're, we're saying is if, if we can make the base a little bit more stable, 
we can systematically put you under load. Your collagen is tough. It's robust. You'll have discs that handle bad shapes and positions. You won't be as fragile. In fact, you'll be anti-fragile. That means that when you end up in some bad shapes, like your body will get stronger. You know, you'll, you'll be able to handle those loads and those adaptations. You know, it's confusing because, you know, there's the movement practice, which is what you should be doing with yourself every day. Some kind of movement practice that uses your joints to full range of motion, puts you under some load, you know, challenges your lungs a little bit, makes you, makes you a more skilled mover. So if you did something like GMB fitness and you deadlifted and you sprinted a hill, it's going to be great. If you love to go to soul cycle and you jumped in Pilates and you front squatted, you're probably going to be pretty great. And you probably also need to be in church or some kind of community, which is the thing that we always, we always forget about, about, you know, in these training groups is that we have these groups of humans who get together and belong to each other. And that, tribe has you know has really eroded itself and that's the magic i think of group small fitness or group fitness these days so a lot of ways to get there just turns out i think crossfit is a really good way and then it gets confusing sometimes because we really like to train and unfortunately the, the training in the gym is not always the thing that matters the most right the thing that matters the most is how you go express that training and it is easy to get sort of swallowed up in the the PR machine where you like, I got more pull-ups and more pull-ups. And so it's about more pull-ups, you know, and I, we try to remind people, you know, pull-ups aren't really a great sport by themselves. And um, you should be figuring out how to go play some sports. You should go actually have some movement practices besides the gym. And uh, you know, people forgotten that that's the, that's the game. The, the theme I'm hearing from you, be it about a tribe, about bread, about playing new sports is balance. And I, I, well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's not balance. It's practice because I certainly go in and out of balance. You know, um, I, don't, I think there's some notion that you're going to win this game and have it all nailed perfectly. And that's not really the truth, right? The, the truth is, man, you're going to focus on some areas of your life and then you're like, Oh crap, I got to go over here and do this. And, um, you know, we've been in this long enough that we, we also see that people like to, they chase a, chase a habit, you know, like, people get super into biking and then they they become cyclists for a while and they come back and they're like yeah i just kind of bored with that and then you know they're like hey i'm an olympic lifter i'm like that's awesome you should go be an olympic lifter and then they're like yeah okay i did a couple meets and like what's next you know and and, uh so if that's the allegory that we want you to chase your your habits go after your urges play more you know the the fundamentals should remain constant are you sleeping are you eating enough? Uh, you know, I got to tell you that um, E.C. Sinkowski, um, who started a company called Optimized Me Nutrition, has something she calls the 800 gram challenge, and which is can you eat 800 grams of fruits and vegetables a day? And um, <clears throat> I love this thing. You know, it's the first nutritional intervention game. Like Juliet is uh, my wife is a level two precision nutrition coach. She's a ninja. She knows Kate Shanahan of Deep Nutrition. She just says she's into it. She's really like, she's great. And it makes sense to her brain. I don't like to weigh and measure anything. Um, if I eat like crap, I weigh the same. If I eat like a ninja, I weigh the same, you know, pretty tolerant. I, you know, I don't eat a bunch of, I don't eat like a jerk. Uh, you know, my rule is like, no, I don't have a sweet thing until 8 PM. You know, like I don't snack. I just, you know, I eat pretty well, but um, I've, I have found that I have some strategies by eating more fruits and vegetables that seem to be work, we work for me. Well, 
across whatever I'm doing. And so I think what ends up happening is we begin to nail down the fundamentals and then you can swing wildly on the pendulum, whether you're working or, you know, and, and then, and, but you always sort of have an, an anchor center, which is, boy, I, I train no matter what. So sometimes I'm only training. Sometimes I'm training and playing. Sometimes I'm training, playing, competing, right? Sometimes I'm barely training. I'm only, you know, only competing. So I think what you, if you feel like you've nailed it, good, tomorrow's going to be a new game and you'll have to nail it again and again and again and again. I think that really ends up, it's difficult for us to simultaneously play the short game, feel like we're winning the short game, like the the six week overhaul challenge, right? Five weeks to a new you ripped abs. And then I'm like, good, we'll see in 10 years, you know, because I think that's really, it's difficult for us as humans to project the amount of context and time that we're playing. You just can't wrap your heads around it that you're going to be 50, you're going to be 60, you're going to be 70. What does this look like for the next 30 or 40 years? So if you're engaged in a behavior that is really not super sustainable, is that imbalance? You know, I think, I think that these are the great questions. What does my training look like? What does my physical practice look like? What does my eating and sleeping look like over the next 20 or 30 years? And that's really, that should be the thing that is, is our definition of balance. Now you're talking about balance inside the gym. What about outside the gym? You are partners to your to your spouse. You guys have, like you said, one of the one of the first affiliates. You've traveled the world, coaching mobility, giving seminars. I imagine at different points in in that journey there was little balance. What have, oh, what for have, sure. What have well, you I done? Think, I, I think that's it. You know, my wife is an attorney. Right, we have two kids. Um, with two businesses and all the employees that come with that. And I think, um, you know, there are times where the margins are thin. You know, you're, you're, that's why it matters that your base practices are stable. And, you know, <clears throat> I think this notion that, you know, you're always going to be at some elite level of fitness is not, it just can't be the case. Like you can't, you know, as my mother-in-law, we, when we were writing Supple Leopard, she was like, you can't write a book and own a gym and teach and have friends which one do you want to give up and Jill and I were like I guess we want to have friends Friends. you know like you know so um look I I think that there it's okay that there are times in your life where you're going to if you get three or four days of training a week and maybe some of that movement practices that you end up walking or you do the Pilates daily 100 or you rolled on a ball for 10 minutes we need to expand our definition of what physical practice is and not always thinking about, am I, am I pulling heavy, right? I mean, if you, if you want to focus your brain, jump into a competition, sign yourself up for something. That will focus you the, the opportunity to, to focus on something for a while. Like jump into a powerlifting meet, you know, go sign up for a long bike ride. But then you'll see that when that's finished, that gives you a clean ending to sort of a center of focus. And the rest of the time, it's okay that your training volume goes up, your training volume goes down. And it's one of the reasons I think, you know, I was just talking to, we were at the, I was at the pool yesterday for our daughters to play water polo. And I saw a triathlete, um, older guy, he's 50 something. And he was like, yeah, I just, you know, I was just in the car. We took a family trip and two weeks, I just didn't train much. And I was like, this is why we don't believe in periodization. Unless you are a Russian living in a dorm on drugs and doing Olympic lifting, because we can't control your life. So, you know, do volumes come up and volumes come down? Yes. 
Um, are you going to, is life going to get in the way of your training split? Probably. Does it matter? Not at all. You know, I think we're trying to make the average gym goer more of an elite athlete than they need to be because they have the trappings of elite athleticism. Why? We Olympic lift, we swing kettlebells, we run, we're super conditioned all the time. But the idea is, hey man, this you're going to come in and out of focus and your training volumes are going to get bet higher and lower. That's okay. Just keep playing. You know, what's this look like? Don't worry about being, you know, you, you, you blew your split. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. You know, one of the things that we try to get all, our, all the coaches to do is that whenever our coaches are together, we try to have one coach cook and everyone else has to eat their programming, right? You show up my gym. He didn't say I'm on some secret scroll program. I've got to do this split to maintain my strength and my snatch or my, I'm not going to be able to hit my 82.75% times three. He said, you're like, what are we doing today? And you, you showed up and you went for it. And I think I appreciate that around our training communities that it, it matters less than we think. And the goal is let's do what you can today. If that was a walk and you ate some fruits and vegetables and you took care of your sleep and drank some water, maybe jumped into a five minute breath practice, count that a successful day. That's, that's a, that's what a physical practice looks like tomorrow. You're like, Oh, I went for a run. And then I swing, I did a hundred swings. You know, is that a great training program? No, but that's a pretty damn good training program compared to the other. And then tomorrow you're like, I got to the gym. I, did, I hit my things, right? I ate, my, I ate my macros. I, you know, I managed my sleep. So when you begin to expand your definition of, of balance into being able to control or improve any one of these aspects of your physical practice, you'll see that that's a successful engagement that isn't necessarily just about exercising and training heavy weights, but is about being a, a much more useful human being society. And, you know, I think that's what George Hebert, who's the movement of the founder of MoveNet, and if you listen to Erwan LaCour, that's really what is the best definition of, of fitness. Am I useful? And, um, you know, keeping yourself just doing what you can do, don't worry about it. We'll get the rest of it tomorrow. We got tomorrow. We'll win tomorrow. And I think um, it doesn't mean that you don't, you know, if I'm on an airplane, so I just took, you know, brutal red eyes, I don't eat carbohydrate on the airplane. You know, I'm like, I'm not moving. I do not need to eat a single grain of rice. I don't drink on the airplane. Why? Because it's all about me trying to be able to sleep when I get there. And so suddenly I'm like, well, that's my physical practice. I'm on the airplane. I'm going to try to stretch once or twice. I'm not going to eat carbohydrates and I'm not going to drink alcohol. Killed it. Right. And the rest of it, I'm, I'm, I'm a worthless athlete, human being. I'm 45 and I get there and I look puffy and feel terrible, but uh, you know, I engage in a controlled what I can control, which means I don't feel like I'm a failure, which is what we've done to modern fitness. You create all these little check boxes and if you don't check 50 boxes and you don't have meal prep done and you're not, you know, engaged in a perfect program, you're some kind of failure. And that's not true at all. I love it. And I love it, especially because it's what I've been doing for the last two or three years. And I think everybody, they get involved in CrossFit and they get caught up in competition and PRing, like you're saying, and forget that this is truly about living your best life and all those things that you've just touched upon. Real quick before you go, tell me about the rebranding into Ready State. Oh, well, you know, we're so thrilled. Yesterday, we, we uh, announced to our subscribers that we're becoming, we're leaving Mobility Wad behind and we're transitioning into the ready state. And 
that's the name of our po- little podcast project anyway. But we've been talking about, we actually went back in the first set of notes I generated when I started teaching our basic course back in 2008, had this notion of being ready. The ready state was a concept I'd come up with over 10 years ago, which was about let's control what we can control. What's if, what, how ready can we get you? Where are the dials that we can turn up today? Nutrition, movement quality, sleep, right? How do we optimize or at least control what we can control so that we're at maximum readiness today to do whatever? Hey, we're going to go play basketball. Great. I'm in, right? We're going to go for a big hike. Great. I'm in. I need you to help move these boxes or, you know, whatever it is. And um, I need to be ready for this big meeting that I have today, right? Am I, am I, am I, is my brain set up for that? And one of the things that I think people forget is that when we started Mobility Wad, the iPhone was a year, had been out for a year and it did not have a video camera. That's how long we've been doing making videos and content, right? And we had one of the first blogs in the CrossFit space and it was San Francisco CrossFit, the blogspot.com. You can see our early iterations of like with Adrian and I talking about stretching and talking about, we didn't really use the word mobilizing yet. And, you know, Way back in 2007, I even wrote an article in the, about basic PNF and being able to spot flexibility issues and put those in quotation marks back in 2007. So we've been talking and writing about this stuff for a long time. And we started making video content. We never set out to even create a business. We set out to set a, solve a set of problems with people. And, and what ended up happening was that we ended up creating a lot of video content and Juliet became a ninja at managing that video content. And now we just feel like, man, if you come to our site, it feels a little bit like the library of Alexandria, right? You're like, I know where that scroll is. It's behind the stacks on the left. And that's my calf scroll. And this gives us a chance to really clean up the environment. So people will be able to access the old archives, which is like 4,000 videos. But we've made over like 200 pieces of brand new content that's organized by the way you want to train for today. We have 30-minute follow-alongs, 20-minute follow-alongs, 10-minute follow-alongs. You can go to a pain section and say, my knee hurts. What should I do first? You can say, I have a diagnosis and go to there. It's brand new, clean environment, which just makes it a lot easier for coaches and for athletes to communicate and to, to, to kind of talk to each other a little bit. And the other thing is, I think this is important, Barris was saying, is that when we started this, no one used the word mobility. We are the people who popularized the use of mobility. That was not a word. It was a word I chose specifically to leave stretching and flexibility behind. And now mobility is like, if you search, there's, it's, it, it's like the word core, power bar. It is everywhere, right? So that's a little confusing. And then I think the other thing that happens is that, you know, we were also the first company to ever use the word wad, something wad. So we always think it's been this way, but it's not. We were the first blank wad. And now it's like, I'm so clever. Mobility, workout of the day. This is going to be great. Now, if you look at, I mean, we just got vet wad and there's sobriety wad and all the wads in the world, sugar wad. There's so many wads that it's very confusing. And we feel like we're not just like these other knockoff copycat wads. We're, we have been holding this space and developing this space so it's time to just move out and also when i explain to people what a wad is if they're not in our community they're really confused you know they're like wad dbad like dick wad and i'm like no not like dick wad so what we uh, realize is that we need we feel like in this crossfit community we have really figured out a lot of things about how the human body works but we haven't reached enough people 
and changing the name away from sort of this technical idea and much more aspirational idea is, is really crucially important to understanding how the whole thing works and being able to take what we've learned and help people who aren't exercising, who aren't in these communities, you know, these intense training communities like that's a typical CrossFit gym and give them the tools that we've developed. So we're, we're thrilled, thrilled to become, you know, the ready state. And, um, you know, it just, it gives us a chance to reset the whole system. And it's something that we've been working on quietly for two years. That's how long it takes to, to change, change the gears on this thing. And, um, you know, fortunately I have the greatest, smartest, most organized CEO on the planet. Otherwise it would probably never happen. You know, and, and just so you know, your impact is still felt regularly at the level ones and level twos. Everyone, you know, every weekend we get questions on mobility that is clearly they've checked you out, they've read your books. So just so you know, sometimes even the best need to hear, how, you know, the, the, that their legacy continues. So it's, oh, it's- I appreciate that. You know, and I think people forget that, um, you know, first it was Greg Glassman taught every lecture to every level one. Then it was Greg Glassman, Kelly Starrett, Dave Carroll, uh, Dave Castro, and Nicole Carroll. I have been teaching level ones that long. There'd only be one level one a weekend. That was the one. I taught those. And then I was part of the first crew ever with Tony Budding and the crew. We split, and uh, Castro led a crew, and Nicole led a crew, and we had two. You know, it's crucial that people understand that it, we're going to train no matter what you don't have to have perfect movement to begin training or to begin modifying or scaling your movement. That's, that's sort of a message that got always gets lost in translation because people think they have to be perfect at everything. You don't. And, um, um, Jay Stark, I think those need to go on a little longer. Don't they get to the bread, Jay Star, get to the bread. Yeah, she pulled them out, but I, I just didn't, I don't know if that was an hour, but J-Star thinks they're done. We just need I to push cannot be bit. responsible for your bread going wrong. Let me show you. See that? See that goodness? That looks delicious. Now, listen that- to this. You hear that crunchy? That was extremely, that was extremely crunchy. Yeah, welcome to the game, you know? <laughs> don't, don't hate the baker, hate the game. So, uh, you know, I think... Um, what's again what's great about this movement is you know when we started this thing when i first came to crossfit you know in 2005 um really 2004 is when i first discovered crossfit um who was overhead squatting Very you know few. you could you couldn't buy a kettlebell in san francisco let that sink in for a second yeah we had to drive down to santa cruz to play it against sports to buy kettlebells i mean you could have them shipped for some ungodly amount from Dragon Door in Russia, or you drove down to Santa Cruz. And so we, you know, the world has changed. I think you can buy, you know, kettlebells at like Target. <laughs> I mean, like- Yeah, my mom's some, got an eight pounder from Target. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, and, uh, and Target has grocery stores. So I'm like, when you can buy a kettlebell at a grocery store, something has changed. So, um, you know, it, we've come a long way, baby. And now we get to have the next conversation with people and that's great. We've leveled up and now let's have the next combo. And I think that's the key is that it's, we're read, everyone is ready for the next level of sophistication, you know? Um, and that's, that's okay. We're going to, we're going to get better and we're going to continue to meet people's needs of they, as they've become more sophisticated. And um, our, our communities have become really, really competent. And that is really exciting. It's really, you know, it's something I take for granted. And if we're listening, talking to a lot of CrossFitters here, 
I get to go around the world and talk to everyone. I see, I mean, choose a high-performance environment, choose an Olympic team, a national team, go. I mean, I see everyone's stuff. I think people forget how many places we've been, you know? Um, Warriors are my team. Rockets are my team. Wizards are my team. I mean, we, we see everyone's business. And I take for granted sometimes that we all speak Olympic lifting. My wife, who doesn't, like, every once in a while, she's like, what's a heaving snatch balance? You know, she, like, she hates the name. She doesn't care. She, Juliette Starrett can Olympic lift like anyone's business, you know? And, um, you know, my kids Olympic lift. And they know what that language is. And they know what good positions and shapes are. When I go into the world and, I, and people can't push press, I'm like, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? You know, so, um, you know, I think that, you know, I think it was a long time ago, Mike Bergner said, um, you know, if everyone could muscle snatch, you know, it would cure shoulder cancer, you know, something to that effect. And I agree. And uh, so I think we're really on to these practices that are incredible. And I don't take it for granted how sophisticated our community is, because, you know, once you get spun up into the CrossFit language, what we're really saying is, hey, here are these really modern training tools, and you're going to spend a lifetime refining them and understanding them. I mean, I don't think I started deadlifting really like till two years ago. And I was like, oh, that's what deadlifting is. I got it. I understand. And then now I started deadlifting. You know, I've been deadlifting for years, decades, but I finally understood after decades of practice. I finally began to understand. So I think that's what's really cool about this. You know, we keep waiting. Are we ever going to burn out and train this way? Nope. Never. Just doesn't. I know you got to go. Before you go, I was asked one book you recommend. Obviously, people should check out Supple Leopard, Deskbound, all your books. But any book you recommend that you haven't written? Yeah, uh, Juliet and I read a ton. Um, I think there's two things that people get wrong. One is that absolutely their sleep. They're they're not taking full advantage of sleep. Matt Walker wrote a book called Why We Sleep. It's, it should be mandatory reading for anyone who fancies themselves uh, a trainee. Second thing is my, our favorite nutrition book in the whole world is a book called Deep Nutrition by Dr. Kate Shanahan. And whatever you do, keto, paleo, macro, vegan, our favorite is pagan, right? Which is plant-based diet with small amounts of animal protein, paleo, vegan, pagan. And um, you'll see that there are things that human beings do. We cook meat on the bone. We eat the skin, we eat bone broth, we eat organs. Like we don't use vegetable oils. Like you should eat the rainbow. And, and she has distilled down the best science and the best practices across cultures. And they come back to fundamentals. And then you can tweak them up and tweak them down. Whether you want to be shredded or be able to have enough fuel to ride 100 miles, you'll see that it's all in there. Thank you very much. I know you got a busy day, but I appreciate your time. That was a huge amount of knowledge, especially on bread. So thank you very much. <laughs> My pleasure. Good to see you again. You got it. Have a great day. Just wanted to take a moment and once again, thank K-Star for coming on the podcast. It was an honor to chat with him, learn from him, and feature him on best hour of their day. Again, if you're interested in our mentorship program, reach out to us on Instagram at best hour of their day. Check out our website, best hour of their day.com. And you know, you can look forward to a ton of great interviews, great episodes, and good stuff coming from both Fern and I in the coming weeks. It's an honor, a privilege, and we are humbled to serve you guys, the community, 
the greater CrossFit community. And we'll be back. Thanks for listening.